This recording is a production of Faith Builders Educational Programs. This presentation was recorded at REACH 2015, a conservative Anabaptist ministry convention hosted by Faith Builders on March 19 and 20, 2015. Morning. It's good to be here. We want to talk today about caring by listening. And they told me that this was supposed to be a workshop, so I'm hoping to have some of you help me actually do a little bit of work in here and generate some of the content for this time together. Caring by listening. In the midst of the brokenness caused by sin, Jesus Christ's message of redemption is always hopeful. Can you listen in a way that embodies care and casts a vision towards hope? The brokenness in the world causes much suffering. Suffering comes from sin, our own sin, the way others sin against us, and just the fallenness of the world. Brokenness comes from many places. It comes from far away, and there's brokenness that is near. If you listen to people, you will find that many of our stories have pieces of brokenness, pieces of suffering. There's much brokenness in the world, war, famine, loss, much grief. And yet that grief is not just far away, it's in our own hearts. It's in our own families, it's in our own communities. But the exciting part is that that brokenness is not the end of the story. Our God is a God of redemption, and He wants to take those places that are broken and redeem them. And I want to think about today, how is listening part of that redemption? The author Tolkien, in one of his works, has one of his characters saying to another character, Gandalf, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad coming untrue? What's happened to the world? All of this brokenness and suffering is going to be redeemed. It's going to be made untrue one day. That's what the resurrection is all about. The cruelty and death of the cross becomes the pathway through which death itself is conquered. And I believe that as we listen, as we care well for each other, we become part of the redemption that Jesus Christ is working out in the world today. So how do we do that? How do we join people by caring for them. I'd like to suggest three things. First, can we be with the person? There's something powerful about the presence of being with another person, about your presence in and with another person. Third, I want to talk about listen to yourself. Self-awareness. Are you aware of what you're feeling yourself when you're in the presence of another person? And third, move towards hope. We want to talk about some ways of moving towards hope. People need hope. What are ways that we can help them move even as we listen? First of all, be with. Affirming empathetic presence frees from shame. I believe it undoes Adam's curse. If you think about what happened in the Garden of Eden, Adam walked with God in the cool of the garden. There was open communion. Adam talked with God and God talked with Adam. There was no shame, there was no separation. Adam sinned and the result was separation. The first thing that, that we hear is that Adam wanted to hide. 
that hiding, that separation goes on today. We all want to be known, but in some ways we're all scared of being known. We hide from each other. And I believe that when we listen well, it undoes some of that brokenness. When we listen well, when we are with another person, when we enter into their story by caring about their story, we become part of the redemption Jesus is working here on earth. We become Jesus' hands and his feet. I believe there's a sense in which we can say we incarnate the presence of Jesus. Maybe more we should say we become his heart and his ears. This is how Jesus redeemed us. God joined humanity. He did not remove us from the consequences of our sin and brokenness, but he became the suffering servant who joined us. And in joining us, laid a vision and a path for redemption. And I think that when we listen to other people, we join them in their story, we actually follow Jesus' vision. We follow Jesus' lead in that. We often cannot fix but we can be with. I believe that if you're going to learn to be with somebody, you're going to have to resist the urge to fix them. People are trying to fix each other, and some of that is good, but chances are they've already heard what you're going to say. So try to be with them and listen to them rather than trying to fix them. Many authors have understood this point. I, um, I like A.A. A. Milne, Winnie the Pooh, what presentation is, incom is, is complete without a little bit from Winnie the Pooh? So let me read several paragraphs here and listen to the power of presence. I'm not going to read the whole story. Rabbit, Piglet, and Pooh are lost in the woods. So remember that they are lost and they're kind of discovering this. Now, said Rabbit, ten minutes later, I think we ought to be getting... Or were we a little bit more to the right than I thought? It's a funny thing, said Rabbit, ten minutes later. How everything looks the same in the mist. Have you noticed it, Pooh? And Pooh said that he had. Lucky, said Rabbit, we know the forest so well or we might get lost, said Rabbit, about a half hour later. He gave the careless laugh which, which you give when you know the forest so well that you can't get lost. Piglet sidled up to Pooh from behind. Pooh, he whispered. Y y yes, Piglet. N nothing, said Piglet, taking Pooh's paw. I just wanted to be sure of you. Here's a story, albeit simple, from A.A. Milne, a children's book. But I think it represents the power of presence. And I think that it's easy for us to miss the power of being with another person. Your presence may be the most redeeming gift that you can offer. I'm going to show you a little video clip here. Uh, this clip illustrates in sort of a humorous way the power of being with and the urge to fix. Now, a little disclaimer, this couple does not value some of the things that we hold dear as conservative Anabaptists. I'm not espousing their way of life by showing this video, but I want you to watch for the way that what happens here illustrates the power of being with. On me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and 
I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just... Don't! <laughs> You're laughing. You've been there too, huh? I think that when we care and put words to our care, our presence becomes inviting and even healing. And if we learn to care well, if we learn to put words to what we experience in the presence of another person, I think it can even open the door for maybe even taking the nail out. Why is it difficult to listen well? Listening is really hard work. You should try it sometime. Jesus said, Who touched me? For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. From Luke 8, 46-47. If you know the story of the woman who, who crept up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his garment, Jesus knew that virtue went out of him. And I would submit to you that if you listen well, you're going to have this sense of having given the other person something. It may be tiring. And yet, good listening will often leave the one you are listening to feeling strengthened. If you listen well, it will cost you something. So don't be surprised if it's hard work. How to listen poorly. I, I, when I think about a workshop like this, there is, there's, there's something that doesn't sit right with me about standing up here and talking about how to listen for 45 minutes. I think it would probably be much more effective to split you up into groups of two or three, find a room in this building where you could be by yourself and say, now go listen to each other for 15 minutes, come back and tell us what worked and what didn't work. But we don't have the luxury of having 50 rooms. So I'm up here and I'm going to talk with you. But you can help me here a little bit. So what I would like to do is I want you to think about this question. What are people doing when you feel misunderstood? Split up into groups of two or three. Just lean together wherever you are and talk together a little bit. I'm only going to give you a minute or so. Consider what are other people doing when you feel missed? When somebody is talking to you and you feel misunderstood, what are people doing poorly? And then we're going to come back together, and I want some of you to, to tell me what you discussed in your group. So in groups of two, three, four, get together and just talk for a minute. If you need to move or turn around, whatever. What are people doing when you feel missed? 
Okay, if I could have your attention again in the interest of time, I, I hate to interrupt you. It would be nice to let this go on all morning. Let's have, let's have some people shout out. What are some things that people are doing when you feel misunderstood? When, people are, when, when, somebody is, when you're talking to somebody and they're listening to you and it's not working, what's the listener doing? Shout it out. I'm going to try and repeat it for the sake of the recording. Looking at somebody behind you, yes, eye contact is very important. Answering a question before you're finished asking it, excellent, excellent. We know that doesn't work, don't we? Somebody else. Not realizing that they have something to learn, excellent. We want people to hear us and to value what it is that we say, and if they think they know everything, we we just feel we don't have a sense of presence with them. Good. Something else. Excellent. So being distracted, glancing at a book or a tablet or a telephone when they're talking to you, excellent. It's, it's very violating to another person's presence to be trying to have a conversation while you're talking to somebody else or looking at your phone. Good. One or two more yet. Absolutely. Thinking about the answer instead of listening to what you're saying. Right. Somehow we feel this compulsion when we're listening to other people to have something to say back, and that gets us in trouble sometimes. Okay, one more before we move on. Yes. Absolutely. Jumping to quick conclusions about you. Very good. We want people to actually get what it is that we're saying, not what it is that they think we're saying. I'm guessing that if we went on for another 10 or 15 minutes, here are some more things that we would come up with. Asking, how are you, but hoping that we don't say. This has already been mentioned, trying to think of what to say back. Being inattentive. Having an agenda other than understanding. Trying to control by listening. Have you ever had the sense when you're listening to somebody that they're trying to sort of maneuver in a certain way to control what it is that you're saying, your responses? Trying to fix. I think you should do this. Giving good but unhelpful pat answers. There are a lot of really good things to say. But sometimes it's much better if we listen to the person and help them come to those things on their own. So, for example, saying, just trust Jesus. Well, that may be a very good thing to do, but if it's not well-suited to what the person needs in the moment, it's going to miss them. Okay. Being with, good listening. What are people doing when you feel heard? What helps you to feel safe? I'd like you to go back into your groups for two or three minutes and ask the question in reverse. What are people doing when you feel safe? What is it that people are doing that helps you to feel heard? Take about two minutes. Okay, you've had a couple of minutes. Let's come back together again. And I want some more of you to put words to what works. What is it that people do that helps you to feel heard? What is it that helps you to feel safe? when somebody's listening to you. Restating what they heard. Wonderful. I have an exercise coming up in a minute that's just about that. That's very good. Validating what you have said. Excellent. 
You can tell that they're interested and not distracted. Any sense of how they show that? How do people show that they're interested? Yes, very good. So you can sort of, we sort of have this internal sense about whether people are actually listening to us or not. And there's all these cues, these verbal cues. We'll talk in a minute about paying attention to your body when you're listening with some, to somebody else. Other things. If they ask questions, yes. Do you want to say more about that? You don't have to if you don't want to. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Very good, very good. People ask questions so that, they know, so that you know whether or not they're actually with you and engaged. Other things, what are other things that you came up with? Very good. When people are okay with silence, when they just sit with you and try and understand what that silence means. Yes, yes. Um, silence can be disconcerting sometimes. And, and what we do with it is important. There was one hand here, but first in the back. Yes. When, can you say that again? When people, I think if I heard you right, you're saying when people are not threatened by what it is that you say, when they understand you and, and don't sort of take offense at what you say. Did I get that right? Okay, good. One here. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm hearing you say that you find it very helpful if people, after listening to what you're saying, sort of put some summarizing comments to that so that you know you're both on the same page. Good, very good. When they allow you to finish what you're saying, to sort of wrestle with putting words to what you're saying without finishing the sentence for you. Yes, very good. Again, I imagine that if we continued on, there would be many more good things that we would say, and some of them, what I have here in this list, we have already put words to. When I know people will still love me even if I turn out to be wrong. It may be times when we're listening to somebody that we need to reflect back to them our sense of, of where they missed the mark. And I like what Larry Crabb says here. Never speak hard words to someone unless your love for that person has formed a vision for who that person could be a vision that generates tender feelings for the other. Never speak hard words if you discern that you are demanding a change in another for your own sake. There may be times when we need to say things, respond as we're listening to somebody and, and say something that's uncomfortable. And, and that's a good thing, but we need to listen until we have a fondness for the person before we speak those things. Some more things that we've already said when others accept what I say, good relaxed eye contact, open-ended questions, quality time. Reflection of feelings, somebody mentioned this, sifting through the sand to find the gold nuggets of emotion. Emotion is the window into the soul, and sometimes people talk about a lot of things before they get there. But if you listen long enough, and if you're attentive, people will begin to let you into how they're feeling. And those are the things that we want to honor when we're with somebody. Non-defensive debate. I think if we'd gone long enough, somebody would have mentioned this. Do you know how to have a good argument with somebody? Can you argue with them without slaying their character? So maybe it sounds like this when a wife says to her husband, Honey, you've been very distracted all day. I feel like we haven't had a chance to talk in a week. And when that happens, I feel vulnerable 
and alone. Now, I know that's not the kind of man that you want to be, but I'm waiting. And then maybe she walks away, or maybe she waits. Do you know how to have non-defensive debate? Not trying to control me. Good listening removes shame. I remember being an 11-year-old boy, and one of the first jobs I had was thinning peaches on the neighbor's orchard. And it showed up the first day, and I was going to make lots of money. I, I don't know how old I was, maybe 11, 12, somewhere in there, 13. They were going to pay me $3 an hour, as I remember. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but it was a lot, because my only other job was having a paper route where I made $3.40 for a whole day's work. So this was big money. And I remember the owner teaching me how to thin these peaches, and I walked around the, um, I walked around the tree and did my section. I think we worked in pairs of two or something. And I got to the end, and he came over to look how I had done, and his countenance fell. And, of course, everybody else was standing around watching because they were all, had done this for many years, and I was a new kid on the block, and they wanted to see how I was going to do this. And he picked up and kind of looked at one branch, and then he picked up and looked at the next branch. And, and I remember this, this sense of shame. So everybody's watching. Uh, what's he going to say? I obviously didn't do a good job. And I remember he kind of looked at me and hesitated, and then he put the branches that I hadn't done down had not done well down and he walked around the entire tree it seemed to me until he found one that I had done right and he held it up and he said to everybody now look this one's done right that's how I want you to do it and I remember this sense of wow he he let me out like there, there was a door that opened I didn't have to be shamed he recognized what I was feeling and removed the shame by blessing words of life versus words of death how many of you can remember being blessed in the last week? Think about that for a moment. How many of you can remember being blessed in the last month where somebody actually made contact with you and said, I really want to bless this about you? It takes good listening to do that well. We want to offer words of life versus words of death. Clarifying content and reflective listening. I want to shift into an exercise here. I want you to get back into your groups of two or three. And in this exercise, this is a reflective listening exercise, I want you to decide who's going to be the speaker and who's going to be the listener. I want the speaker to state one sentence, state of fact, and how you feel in relation to that fact. So you might say, for example, I am attending the REACH conference right now, the fact, and I am feeling excited about what I'm learning, or bored, uninterested, whatever the word is that fits you. Another example could be, I'm very busy with school, job, mothering, and I am feeling tired, glad to have a break today. So that's what the speaker is going to say. Pick one sentence, state a fact, tell the other people how you're feeling in relation to that fact. Those of you who are listening, somebody pick a listener, and, and I want you to say, back to them. I think I heard you say, and then repeat back what it is that you heard them say, and see if you can get it right. After you say it, say, is that correct? If they say yes, switch, and the next person gets to be the speaker, and the other person gets to be the listener. If they say no, say, can you help me say that better? Okay, break up into groups of two or three, and let's do this exercise.
It looks like some of you are really good listeners. You're such good listeners that we could go on to the end of the workshop without my interrupting you. How many of you was that a new experience? Okay. How many of you felt uncomfortable? How many of you liked that? Good, you're, you're in the right crowd. You, uh, how, how many of you, when you said back to the person what it was you thought, them, you thought you heard them say, how many of them said you didn't get it right? A few bold hands. That's actually a really good thing because it gives you an opportunity then to explore with the person. That doesn't mean you missed the mark. That means it's time to ask another question. That's the good stuff. Listen to yourself. So we've been talking about ways of being with. We want to talk briefly about listening to yourself. Self-awareness. When you're in the presence of another person, pay attention to the cues that are coming from inside yourself. What emotions are you feeling as you listen? What are you feeling in your body? And what are my goals for this conversation? I think it's really important to be aware of these things. I remember after having, uh, when having a conversation with somebody, I began having this fantasy one day that I was actually having a sword fight with the gentleman I was talking with. I won't tell you what was going on in the conversation when that was happening, but that's probably a good time to demonstrate a little bit of self-awareness and think carefully before responding. People, people stir all kinds of things in us. We probably will be able to, unable to care well for another person if what we're really asking for is for the other person to meet our needs. It's okay to want needs met from another person, but we need to be aware of, is that what's happening or am I supposed to be caring for the other person in this moment? When love for God is replaced by love for self, people either become obstacles that hinder goals or vehicles that promote them. So think about what are you feeling as you're with another person? Are you comfortable with silence? Somebody else already mentioned this. What do you do with silence? Pay attention to that. Think about the next time you're in a conversation with somebody and they stop talking. What do you do? Can you hold the silence just a little bit longer and see what happens? Tears. Are you comfortable when somebody cries? What happens when people display emotions in your presence? Tears are often a window into the soul, and we want to honor them with empathetic grace. You might be quiet. You might be quiet for a while. You might ask. This feels important. This feels sad, difficult, whatever you're feeling. Do you want to say more about this? So there's an invitation. Be aware of what you're feeling when you're listening to somebody else. Finally, offer hope. We want to reframe the person that we're listening. We want to reframe their story if they give us the opportunity in a way that moves towards hope. Well, other worldviews, Tim Keller says, lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys foreseeing the coming shadows. Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of the world's sorrows tasting the coming joy. The Christian vision is one in which hope cannot be taken away. And I would submit to you that if you love the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you cannot get yourself into a situation in which it is impossible to hope. 
You may make poor choices that create pain and suffering, but if you love the Lord, you can never put yourself in a situation in which it's impossible to move towards hope. Encouragement is not just about making people feel and think better, it's about stimulating spiritual imagination. I remember sitting with a man whose marriage was falling apart. He had made some poor choices. His wife had left him for another man, and he was dealing with the trauma and the upset and the difficulty of this brokenness and asking questions like, how do I care for my children in the middle of this? They want to make choices because of this turmoil and this trauma that I don't agree with. Where is God in the middle of this? I want my marriage back. And as we sat together, we talked about those hard things, But this man came to find tremendous hope in focusing on the things that he did have control over, in focusing on how am I going to care well? What what is God calling me to? How can I care well for my children as they walk through this suffering? How can I care for my wife well even though she's leaving me? What does that look like? There were many things he couldn't control, but he found a tremendous sense of hope in pondering the Spirit's work in his own heart and what God was calling him to. There are many things in the brokenness of the world we don't have control over, but there are some things that cannot be taken away, and I would submit to you that hope is one of those things. Listen long enough to know how to pray. Call God to be true to his name. Lord Jesus, there is so much that's broken in this story. There is so much that we cannot change. There is so much that is not the way it is, but we know that your name is Redeemer and we are hanging on to that. We know that your name is the shepherd and bishop of souls and we are asking you to be true to your name as our shepherd in these moments. We are asking you to redeem in ways that we cannot even imagine. Call people to focus on the character of God. Jesus said to ask like a little child, pray for what we want. Dear God, would you give me back my marriage? Those are good things to ask for. But we also, in that setting, want to pray for that which cannot be taken away. Father, I may not get my marriage back, but would you help me to be the person that you want me to be in this hard place? Would you help me to see what your spirit is up to, and would you help me to follow along with that? Those are things that nobody can take from us, and they can be profoundly hopeful. So, listen well enough to know how to pray, call on God to be true to his name, pray for what we want, and ask for that which cannot be taken away. In review, if you're going to care well by listening, you're going to focus on being with the other, you're going to be aware of yourself, listen to yourself, and you're going to move towards hope. I have a special treat for you right now. My friend and colleague, Glenn Hoover, is going to come front, and he has agreed to put some words to his story and give me an opportunity to listen to him. So we're going to do that for five or ten minutes, uh, and then we're going to have some time for question and answer. So, Glenn, if you would come. Think about uh, what happens in this interaction. Think about the things that I do well, Think about the things that you would change. Pay attention to what you feel as you listen to Glenn's story. Well, welcome, Glenn. It's good to see you here today. I know there's some things that you said you wanted to talk about, and I'd like to hear. Thank you. Um, I'm embarrassed to talk about it. I'm, 
uh, I wish it wouldn't be. I'm sick and tired of it. Uh, I wish I could change it. But it's about my wife. She, um, <clears throat> I just can't do it good enough for her. Um, I, I can't just get her, I just can't get it right. Um, and uh, one of them is my driving. She, uh, uh, I can tell when she's uncomfortable because she's like shuffle her feet in the floor. Every now and then she grabs like the grab handle. Um, she tells me I'm falling too close. I'm driving too fast. Um, so I put more distance between me and the car in front of me and it still isn't right. Hmm. And I am just sick and tired of it. Hmm. I wish she would change. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I, can, if I can say what I think I'm hearing you say. And you tell me whether I'm right or not. I think I'm hearing you say that you're here to talk about your wife that you really feel frustrated about some of the ways she responds to you, particularly your driving, and, and you just, you're sick and tired of it. Uh, I, I am. I am sick and tired of it. <sighs> Do you want to say more about that? Like, like what? Well, when she's always finding fault with what I'm doing, I feel like I'm incapable, like I must be doing something wrong, like I don't know how. Uh, it just makes me feel like a wimp. I mean, like a good for nothing. So I think I'm hearing you say that when, when she criticizes you, you, you just feel like you're, like you're good for nothing. And, and that sounds like a hard place to be. That would describe it, and that's mild. Hmm. So there's other words you'd like to put? She's not afraid to be <clears throat> real bold and real. I mean, her words can be pretty short. She's not afraid to be bold. Right. I, I like women like that. Uh, tell me more. You like women like that? Say, say some more about that. Like, well, I haven't learned to like it yet. You haven't learned to like it yet. I just wish she'd be quiet. You wish she would be quiet? Yeah. How would that help you feel if she were quiet? Wouldn't have to listen to it. You wouldn't have to listen to it. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes I'll even let her drive so I don't get criticized for my driving. It sounds like one of the things I'm hearing you say is that this is a place where you feel really small. D does that feel like it fits? Small, incapable, um, failure. Um, like another place she does this is she, she even puts my food on my plate, like how much I get, because she doesn't want me to get fat or something. I don't know. Wow. wow. Now, I don't mind being cared for, but this is overdoing it. Mm -hmm. it. It seems like one of the things that I'm hearing you say, Glenn, is, is just that there's this profound sense of I'm incapable, I'm not good enough. And when your wife talks about your driving or putting food on your plate, it just sort of brings that to the surface. Mm. Am I right about that? That's it, that's uh, it. You're getting a picture. Are there other places where you've felt that way? She even gets my clothes out that I wear. So the collars are coordinated. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't have to make many choices on my own around home.
around the house. Mm. She chooses them for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I just like to be myself, mm-hmm. if I could. Mm-hmm. So I think if she would change, we would be fine. Hmm. So your way out is for your wife to understand some of these things and, and, and change some of that. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Well, I, I think it would surely help. Now, I, I, I want to say one thing. I did, you know, we did have a car accident, and I ran in the back of a, another vehicle. Hmm. And, of course, the airbags went off. Hmm. Talk about an airbag in the car. I mean, yeah. So are you talking about the airbags, or are you talking about your wife? <laughs> well, both. Both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It sounds traumatic. I, Thank you. At least somebody understands me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Glenn, I would, I would love to talk with you more about this. We're sort of out of time here today. Um, I think I'm hearing you say, let, let me say back to you some of what I think I'm hearing you say, and then you can put some words to whether or not that fits. I, I think I'm hearing you say that you're frustrated just with the ways that you feel your wife invalidates you as a man. You're frustrated about that. And, and you'd like to think about some ways of, of maybe helping her change or, or what, what are some ways that that could shift. And I really like that question. I care about how hard this sounds, um, how difficult this must be for you. I'm maybe until next time, something to think about is, what are the ways in which you can help your wife to help you? Are you with me? Help her help me? Help her help you. I have to think about that. When I say that to you, what do you feel inside? Well, I think, I I can't quite get the picture of her helping me. But I certainly would be open to that. And certainly, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll, like, like how, how, how can I help her? Like, what should I be doing to help her? Or how can she help me? I guess that's mm-hmm. just, you know, just a comment. Or mm-hmm. I'd like to put some more words to that. I, I, I think that if I were to say some more to that right now, um, it, y- you might miss some of the benefit. Could we just hold that question and maybe think about it till the next time, and then we'll have plenty of time to put some words to it. Okay. Does that feel yeah. good? Yeah. Is there anything, Glenn, I missed today, any place where you felt missed by me that you'd like to put words to? Mm. No, I think you understand my, I think you understand what I'm struggling with. Okay, good. Well, I would really look forward to meeting you next time. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Okay, let's talk a little bit. What was that like for you? Um, I want you to think about what you were feeling as Glenn was talking. And two other questions I'd like you to think about is, what do you feel like went well in that interaction and what would you have done differently? Let's start with, what do you think went well in that interaction? Good observation. People tell us amazing things, and, and there will be moments when you flinch, and, and they get something you didn't mean. Other things, what else went well? You didn't laugh even though it was kind of humorous. I didn't laugh even though it was kind of humorous. 
Okay, good. What would you have done differently? What, what could I have improved upon? I kept looking away. Yeah, I am. I'm pretty conscious of the time. That's true. Anything else? It did, didn't it? Yes. I think, um, I think that you make a good point. It probably would have been waiter better to say that maybe two or three sessions down the road than three minutes into it. But I, I did want to come back with a little bit of humor and give him some things to think about. But an excellent point. You need to be aware of, of how you're doing that. Let's shift to the question of what did you feel as Glenn was talking? Were you aware of feeling anything in your body? Were you aware of feeling anything about Glenn? He felt down. You were aware of that? Excellent, excellent. How would you have cared for him given that's what you felt? Okay, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I, um, I, I think that your awareness of that, though, is very, very good because then you can sort of put some words to help him feel comfortable. Anything else that you were feeling? Right, right. So there might be more to the story. His wife might very legitimately have very legitimate reasons for feeling the way she did. Good. So you were frustrated because he was making his wife's problem, his, he was making his, pro, his biggest problem his wife. Yeah. Am I putting good words to that? Yeah. People do this all the time, and you're going to have to learn how to help them shift. The reality is that we have to listen to them first. We have to be with them and care for them so that they can then stay with us as we help them shift. Okay, this concludes our talk, Caring by Listening. Remember, be with, listen to yourself, and move towards hope. This recording and many others are available through Christian Learning Resource, the campus bookstore at Faith Builders. Order online at www.christianlearning.org or call 877-222-4769.